0: Hello. Can I speak to to Marion? How is this? Hey, how you doing? Uh, I feel kind of silly
1: doing this, but um, this is the Bush, just from the coffee house on OK and Park. You know, the one with the four C natural. I see you on Thursdays all the time. You come in every Thursday on your lunch break, I think, and you always order the special with the organic chai latte. My to be tripping and stuff. Talking about we gotta use water. But I always use some head milk for you. Cause I think you're kinda of
2: sweet. Um... How did you get my number?
1: You always got on some fly blue tracksuit. And your Air Force
2: ones shining all bright. Thanks. For real though. Who so is this? So
1: uh... Look man. I mean, I don't want to waste your time, but I don't usually do this. And I was wondering if maybe we could get together outside the coffee shop one day. Because I do look a lot different outside of my work clothes. Okay. I mean, I got an art show coming up soon. Yeah, I'm an artist. Maybe you could come out and support? Wait, hold up. My cell phone's breaking up. Hold up. Can you hear me now? Yeah, so, what do you say? Can you come to my show? Uh, Who All Gonna Be There? Hey y'all, welcome to Who All Gonna Be There, a podcast by artists for artists. We talk cash shit about everything, sometimes we get messy, and it all counts as art because we say so. I'm Mel, today I'm black, and a woman, and an artist. Studies have shown that sometimes I happen to be all of these things at the same damn time. This week, I'm a YouTube documentarian, a freelance exterminator at congressional hearings and vice presidential debates, and I also do pro bono work as O'Shea Jackson's political strategist advisor.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, yes, amazing. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, I always mean to update my intro, but I always seem to forget until the time comes, so <laughs> here's mine. Uh, Maximiliano a.k.a. Maxi Returns, a.k.a. The Max Attack is Back Jack, etc., etc. How to support NDP, you may be wondering, while you're sitting there listening to our podcast. We have a Patreon page where you can get exclusive podcast episodes, which are only available behind the paywall, so we get extra messy. We have an Etsy store where you can buy our stuff. We have a new Black Abbey zine, which you can purchase there, which is amazing a bunch of amazing artists in it um subscribe to us on on itunes leave a review follow us on all the podcast streaming platforms and on facebook and instagram at nat turner project our email is nat turner is nat turner project zero at gmail.com send us questions comments concerns and we will address them on air with that being said um I we read that we read that intro every episode, and we've had a few different um, comments come through, and now we can read them all.
1: Oh, we we did have comments. Okay, I was wondering why you put that there. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. no. So we've gotten those like YouTube notifications of people leaving comments. I think um, on older episodes or one episode in particular. Um, so this first one from Tyler Winter for our ninth episode, our interview with Ella Ray says cool video it was really good and that was a
1: that sounds like spam but okay
2: yeah no that was actually the second time I read that comment because I, I clicked on his profile a couple days after he left that comment and um, the account didn't exist anymore <laughs> but um in light of the upcoming comments I thought it was still worth <laughs> including indeed um and these and then these next ones seem like legit comments or from actual people, so our uh, who all going to be there? Episode five, masked up with Rose City and Tifa. There's a comment that says "Kami scum."
1: Oh. Okay. Did did they did they spell scum correctly? Because I think that's important.
2: Yes, they did. Okay. <laughs> um, and then our last comment, which is also on the masked up with Rose City and Tifa um is from somebody says the return of antifa the larping the larpening just when you thought the boogeyman had teeth you realize it's a bunch of tweaked tweaked out gender confused drama club dropouts with sticks let the crushing begin and that's from uh, a month ago all right so (laughs) those are our comments and as true to word we read them on air Hopefully now our viewers and fans will hear those comments and decide that they actually want to comment. And so we have positive things to read on air.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, good times. That's how we know we've made it when people are like commenting and saying mean things. So, All right, so y'all may have heard a third voice in the background there. So today we're back at it again chatting with a fellow artist who's been making some major moves in the Portland arts landscape. It's artist Michael Bernard Stevenson, Jr. What's up, Michael?
3: What is up? Everything is up. The world is on, it's not on fire anymore, visibly, per se, right here. But boy, is it a dumpster fire.
1: (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Max, can you read Michael's bio?
2: Yes. Michael is a Black non-binary creative practicing in American context. The majority of the work they are doing at the moment involves direct collaborations with young people by the way of interweaving programming into and between public schools to cultivate confidence and expand the perspective of young people's minds in order to help close the opportunity gap for young people with an emphasis on BIPOC youth.
1: All right, so we're gonna start off the way we've been starting off every podcast for the last I want to say six, seven months, by asking, first of all, how are you doing? Like, every day is some new nonsense, and keeping track is a pain, so how are you coping with everything? How are you processing all of this?
3: Um, I feel, I feel, yeah, that's a good question. I think about it and and talk about it a lot. I feel like, I don't know, that's, like, necessary or something, like, uh, if, if escapism was cool, it's not that much. <laughs> it was the time to cut it out. Um, and in many ways, like my practice is really like oriented around understanding and engaging with these things. And so it's like, I don't know, a ripe time for that. Um, and I also like identified with the early Corona times as like, at least in our geosphere, like almost relaxing in a way like everything was shut down like people were like freaking out but if you didn't look at the internet you're just chilling or something you know or you could try and i feel like i was actually chilling more then and now i'm like really like i went grocery shopping yesterday as a way to try to like care for myself for you know literally the necessity of it but also A simple way to try to have like a small victory for like my non-professional self or something, but what you know it gets to the point where it's almost like hard to eat uh, to feed myself because you're even though your like office is your home you're like so engrossed and you like don't really need to leave to be quote unquote productive so it just kind of like you know the the structure of life is like very different and hard. Um, That being said, Melanie, I've seen you have like a delicious beef meal or something the other day, <laughs> I was jealous, I almost commented that I was jealous, I was like, I probably should beat myself, I gotta get out of here, uh, but, way to go, getting the new digs and, like, the chef life, Living dream.
1: Indeed, yes, I've decided, um, because we are stuck in this hellscape, to embrace it and treat it like this, um, indefinite residency, so.
0: <laughs> get it,
3: jealous.
1: Yeah, and my housemate went to culinary school, so. That's nice. <laughs>
2: oh, okay.
3: 2020 winning. Yeah, like people are like, if you were on a desert island, like, <clears throat> like, boom, someone with a culinary degree.
2: Yeah, it was yeah. out of the housing application. <laughs> they must have gone to culinary school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, but like speaking of Instagram stories, I remember like um, in the be- like the pre the early Corona times, and it's so weird that we have to stratify it now. But um, the early Corona times, your Instagram stories were kind of chill. You were like listening to some audiobook and then bicycling, and it was really kind of soothing. Sure.
3: <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it's interesting that you experienced it and recall it, and it's interesting too because. I was almost just doing it or something. And as a, 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 any putting, you know, a story just disappears or whatever. The Instagram footprint of it is like temporary. And so, yeah, it's like gone or whatever. Like I did save them, but it's funny because a lot of them are video files. Like I play with the orientation. So as a video, it's like on your computer, it's like, Oh, what am I looking at? Um, But yeah, that was like, because I had the time, I was, like, riding every day. I think I was also doing that as a way of, um, like, reclaiming the time or something. Like, like and I, I guess I identify as being pretty anti-capitalist, anti-colonialist, as many, as many are. But it makes sense, I guess, to, like, identify, as that's where, like, a lot of my thoughts are coming from just, like, spending time on a bicycle for no particular reason is, like, freedom, like, in that time, like, I am able to, like, this is what I would be doing if I could do anything, and it's also, like, bolstering my health, and, like, there's a respiratory disease going around, it's, like, whatever, all these things, Uh, but, of course, it's, like, meditative in many ways, and so, it was also a space for me to ruminate on the world and today and right now and i happened like unbeknownst to myself like did not research what parable of the sower was before it before anything at all didn't know didn't think about it and like was listening to it as everything was onsetting like before everyone was like oh man read this now i was like i already read
0: it it gets worse um
3: and was and it's interesting too like Like right now I feel immersed in like a bunch of things that I was setting, I had set into motion pre-corona and am now like needing to pick those strings back up and like work on those projects. Like every, the world is like trying to charge forward. But in that time, like everything was paused, everything was canceled and I could just consume content and like make things. And I was like, the thing I like documented every time I put my legs up, I like took a photograph of that. And like captured as a series of like, just putting my feet up. It's like a residency and just like I don't even have anything to do that I have time for this. Um, And in I actually got it's I don't I think it might be removed, but maybe it's still there the Jalen Cultural Center did like an online gallery um, like way early, like what people are making during quarantine. And I happened to have these photos of me, like putting my feet up and I like reproduced the food of my tattoo, which I like have used that image in other times recently. Um, so I was like making work, but it was this form of escapism. And, and I had claimed all of that bicycle riding time as Afro contemporary bicycle dancing of which. I continued to conceptualize. I was thinking of it before and just like really threw myself into the moment because I had the time um, and have, when I was doing it, contemplated it even further. So yeah, that, that is so that.
1: <laughs> Pretty cool. I mean, kudos to, to you and all folks who cycle because as someone with very little hand-eye coordination, the times that I've tried to get on a bike, it's been disastrous. So, Max, you bike too, right?
2: Um, yeah, I don't have a bike currently, but when I do, <laughs> <laughs> I ride it.
3: Okay. There's um a bike, I think it's Bikes for Humanity or something. Oh. Um and they they have a list and you can add yourself to the list and then in like a couple months time they give you a bicycle. Oh, wow. Uh, so the current bike I'm riding is from that source, uh, and this is how I like discovered it. Um, but my prior bicycle got stolen. I went to the justice center one night and like, so, yeah. So and that's that's the gap almost. Like my bike got stolen when I was doing that work, and I was like really depressed about it. And I was like, I don't even have the capacity to like figure out how to get a new bicycle. And so I was like, you can get a free bicycle from here. So get that free bicycle
2: yeah hell yeah no thanks for the tip I'm gonna I wrote it down I'm gonna check it out in the show notes
3: Put yeah.
2: <laughs> the show it notes. everyone yeah <laughs> um all right cool so right we all come to like art in different ways you know maybe we have our first moments um when we're young and then at some maybe at some later point we decide it's like what we want to pursue with our lives what were those like moments for you what were some of your like first art creative moments and then when did you decide it was what you wanted to do with your life?
3: Interesting question. I also, like, read it, but it was, like, decontextualized. And then when you contextualize it, I'm like, oh, cool. I was, like, not really thinking about it that way. Um, yeah, good question. I guess I'll try to, like, tell it in a tiered fashion where, like, i think i'm a creative person or whatever you know and like my mom put put me in those spaces and did those things and like did good a good job as a kid um and like in my high school there was a ceramics program like a robust public school art program that happened to center ceramics um and was like like never really good at ceramics but somehow was able to like cultivate a uh, creative spark there um with like you know boarding from the teacher or whatever um and then there was like uh, the ap art version or whatever like i was like yeah i guess i'll go to art for college so and i guess also like my aptitude for other things sports or academic where like like arts was the one for me or whatever and i'm not surprised at that in hindsight but like in that unknowing period of youth or whatever was the thing that was like blossoming in the pre-channeled um paths for people to take um and so anyway that generative space like kind of sent me to college for art um and it was in that space i went to like a like a renowned Alfred University, which I still like, really appreciate how I was able to grow there as, an art, as the creative I am today. Like I would say the spark of who I really am as an artist definitely sprang there. Um, but it's like an object school uh, and like the culture, which I didn't do any kind of research around the school or any like the culture or what even, I didn't understand art well enough to know that an object school is different than a conceptual school is different than a craft school. Um, And so wound up there and I do have a passion for objectness and objects and producing objects. I do like love that. And I love actually working with my hands. Like I think I am in many ways, like I enjoy traditional practices um, and also my aesthetic is like a non-aesthetic or an anti-capitalist aesthetic in a way. And so like my work could never proliferate there. Um, and I learned in that place through mostly art historic and I had like a lot of mentors or art historians, like they exposed me to conceptual art. Um, and I guess like that is like the, the real origin of like my pre social and you know other other kinds of works that i do now but so like if i were to just stop the story there like that that is the moment that like flung me in like a stranger direction um yeah so yeah could go on but i think that answers the question and i'm happy to go on i don't know how long going on and which if you haven't noticed i'm a talker so yeah but um, yeah, whatever, use that to whatever shape uh, or form is helpful to your container.
1: All right. Um, so you, you, you alluded um, just now, um, you have a really extensive, like, praxis, um, combining social practice and art history with community engagement, political empowerment. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the projects that you're most fond of? like right now in this moment?
3: That I'm working on like
1: actively?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, and like I I would say probably what most excites me or I'm like trying to compete for time for is like the African art class, which I will probably unfurl more. I just also want to, I am very excited about a project I'm doing, People for Mutual Education, which is a collaboration with like a bunch of different um and we've kind of like created seven pamphlets about like gentrification anti-racist schools higher education black trans lives um environmental racism right interessa rayford and we like have combed the broader world for some amount of that voice reparations reallocation of wealth i wrote that one and then someone designed them into a series so i've been printing them and i guess Yeah, so, and we're doing like teachings in the future. So I'm really excited about that project um, and has consumed a lot of my time, right, lately, given the timeliness of it as a project. Um, I'm also working on a project um, with some formerly incarcerated guys, Um, two projects, I guess, that are definitive. One is called Gallery Blue um, and um, is in collaboration with one other artist named Blue, and we're making frames out of reclaimed wood for the to house work of currently formerly incarcerated artists um and then like there's also tin can phone which is that project the podcast project i was talking about earlier um which is also in collaboration with um please armand and joseph rosenberger um so those are projects that excite me and are are great and have been kind of a range of something that's been happening for a long time or a medium time or a short time that I'm excited about, Um, though the project that I'm really excited about most as like what I might be known for doing or even what I want to be spending time doing, which is especially given like summertime and um, out of school time and weirdness of Corona school time, like grade school time, um, all of that has kind of like changed the way that I'm working on this project or the capacity I have for it, but yeah, the Africa WR class is like what excites me most right now um, about what I'm doing for sure.
1: So it sounds like you have like this kind of vast array of different projects. How do you, how are you handling like time management for all of that?
3: Handling? (laughs) uh uh, yeah that's a great question and yeah it's concise and i don't know that i have an answer or a concise answer like managing yeah not managing yeah i mean i guess i'm managing it to a stand i use google calendar and like if ever i send a (laughs) screenshot of part of it and are like whoa what's going on i'm like no don't look at it um but it is hard. I think the fortunate benefit of collaborating is, like, I'm not a individual sole proprietor. Um, and that, I think, is why I kind of, like, harped on liking working with my hands and having a background in sculpture. Like, I wish making sculptures was going to save the world. Like, I really do. And I thought that when I was a young creative. Like, part of why art seduced me is because the way they teach it is, like, Whoa, Diego Rivera made these murals. Like the movement was happening, and I was like, "Whoa, this dude painted the movement into <laughs> happening." Whoa, how do I do that? Um, and then I was like, "No, that doesn't happen." And that was like the learn. You know, that's the moment when conceptual art was like, you can create action into what you're doing, yeah. um, and so have like chosen to do that and learned through that that i'm now like weirdly like a middle management administrator and i'm like talking to different people and like different people are doing things and like i'm driving around and moving paper and like folding things which is like i'm like yes paper i'm touching it um and so yeah there is it is extremely hard um and i don't know that i'm doing the best job and in some situations I'm a mentor to someone who's like never done something before, like the Metro placemaking grant. Like I'm on the jury for it. And I'm like working with these guys. I'm like, Hey, you are ineligible for this. Um, and so like, was like managing it, getting in. And one guy shot a video and the other guy, like I was able to get a video. And then he's like, no, I'm going to write it. I'm like, cool, man, figure it out. Um, so, but in, in that, like, now the job is like mentoring people who are trying to learn new skills in time with deadlines um, and it's like leaves a little time for touching objects or like this other thing that i love but i i wound up where i am because i was tugging so strongly on like being able to engage more directly with the social paradigm that i feel concerned about um and so you know whatever here i am and should this job be someone else's hell yes it should um <laughs> and if i ever if ever anyone wants i always tell age like people i'm like i'll give you 90 percent, meet 10 10 me like just line it up and i will knock them down for 10 um because yeah i not it's it's a struggle and i think like email is like the biggest anything that requires reading which is like everything um so anyway I'm, and I, I like, I guess I, I was like just listening to the earlier part. Like I wanted to say, like I listened to the show and I've wanted to comment so many times and I like forgot. But I felt like, like here I am. You know, I'm commenting. Um, listeners, comment. I will too in the future. They read them. It's real. Um, it's true. <laughs> so, but yeah, like um, I don't know. I threw myself off. It's good though. Sometimes I throw myself off.
2: Um, so yeah, like in this idea of, um, right, collaboration, it seems like it's such a big part of your practice and all these different collaborations and then how you have like potentially different, um, roles or different like levels of involvement in different collaborations. Um, yeah, like what is like, what, like also somebody that like collaborates a lot too, um, what is that like navigating that, deciding when you've reached your like limit, like, I can't take any more collaborations on now. And then do you feel this, like, with the expansion of collaborations you mentioned, like, you know, having to be mindful of, like, deadlines and, like, these other dates. And then <clears throat> this is something I've been struggling with more, too, is, like, as things get bigger and as, like, dates and, like, deadlines are real, like, at what level do, do you, like, adhere to that versus, like, maybe the humanity of a project or, like, oh, this project may be better served without this yeah. deadline or something like
3: sure. that? I feel like I'm always on humanity side. And like, usually that's also an advocate for myself. Like I recently cro- I crossed something off yesterday, like a grant that I wanted to apply for. It was like really easy. It was, I was gonna pitch African contemporary bicycle dancing, like a passion project. Um, and I just didn't have time for it. Um, and I didn't like stay up late. You know, I went to um, Nora Cooley did uh, uh, respect do last night? Um, it was a mobile projection unit was projecting all these like um, local Portland music artists videos. So I like you know made time to do that or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm always leaning into the humanity. I often, especially in with young people, and I think that's almost something I feel that's a, a challenge, and is like it just is what it is there's a lot of administrative time that goes into getting in face-to-face with a young person. So like my capacity is like severely hamstrung in those instances. And in many ways, it like works. It's like the scale of my work. That's the scale of my work is like I have a multi-year relationship with Elijah, a young man that I worked with at King School and have worked with and was like, this is the first know, year
0: actually since
3: we met that we're not seeing each other like at this point. Um, but I have his phone number, like, we're in touch, but it's interesting, like, even sometimes it's, be, it's hard to be in touch with your friend, being in touch with a kid is, like, really tough right now, um, and so, yeah, I really lean into the level at which that is scalable, because I, like, and I actually took a class, and I almost regretted it, and I think it's fine now, but I took an online class with, like, a homeschool group, um, and it's, like, at the end of the class, like they're paying for it. Like I'm teaching it at the end of the class, like our relationship will be over. And it's like not really the demographic I'm looking to be working with. And like, I was even just doing it to see if it was a cool thing to be doing for my practice, but they're not really like paying. I like regret, I like, wish I could just give the money back, but that's like bailing on some kids who are like having an experience. Um, so it's fine, it's only 10 weeks and that will be like done eventually. Um, but I'm really always, and that's why I kind of like I'm raising the African WR class high because I'm holding as much space as I can for that. And there's even challenges to that as well, um, like the cohort that I had last year. Like not only is it like online, but some kids have gone to middle school. They didn't go to the middle school as expecting, and I don't have program there yet, but would like to. Some are eligible to be in that school but are in a different school and then some are eligible into that school but they are homeschooling this year and so the original cohort that i worked with is like not even really accessible to me in any sort of like easy form um but i'm still like engaging with those parents in fact earlier today and i did like a quick i had like i was like i have 30 minutes like what can i do and i took a quick bike ride before but I was doing some like admin work, which is like almost a year old at this point of all of the receipts that were like very carefully organized by me. But like the when I had to like put it into the computer and put it in a spreadsheet, like one hour of work, it took a whole year to like make time for that because like that's not the important part of the project. For me. I just paid out of pocket. Like that was the thing that kept me moving and kept being able to prioritize like individuals and the time they need, like Tin Can Phone is like a two year project um, and could have like owned and produced myself something, like it just extracted it for its value or something. But the project, that's that project has very much become a mentorship project where it's like, cool, like we're making a podcast now, like you are making this podcast and like we gotta create the Instagram, we gotta apply for the grant. Um, and so like they're learning how to run the machine. Um, so it's not like my project, it's our project, and it happens at the rate that it can happen. And there have been powerful supporters waiting for content, but it can't it, it doesn't wanna exist faster than it can exist. And I give it what I what I can, and, and a lot of that is emotional work and labor and talking about relationships or challenges or these other things, dealing with substances and, and other life things that I consider this barrier between my life and the work is like completely collapsed. And I spend time nurturing all of the different things and people that I can. And then like that reaches some form of capacity. And I'm like, all right, no more. And things balloon and shrink. Um, but But sure, it is tenuous and time management is not my strongest suit, but I learned um, over time, both in the practice or each individual task or about myself or how to navigate the inner spaces between those things.
2: Um, You've mentioned this, like, yeah, like, uh, like mentioned a, a bunch of different times. So could you like talk more about the African contemporary class? and like sure. oh, what that is and who's it right. for and all the all the good stuff
3: good question great question um, <clears throat> so the afro contemporary art class um its origin is um at the beginning of last year's school year um so it's, a, it's like a, about a year old in the calendar of the place that it occurs in um and yeah it's an interesting origin i just Produced a book and some of the stories in that, and it's like the first place it kind of exists. Um, but I was, I had to do a graduate project, um, and I was had been working at King School for many years, and was working with Elijah. And I'm like, what is the thing that Elijah would love doing that I could like convene a cohort with and around him and do a thing, cool thing as a group? And I was gonna teach a sculpture class and. Give myself this thing that I loved and enjoyed, um, and would be about working with objects and young people and assembling them and thinking about what they mean and what they can represent and how to communicate with them. Um, and I was visiting the Headlands and I met this artist named Naim Brown, um, who's an Afrofuturist painter in, in Oakland in the Oakland area. And um, he, we gave like mini presentations and he kind of like stole me away for a minute and. I presented, it was like a five minute presentation, and I just presented like it, like the, the year long arc of me and Elijah's time together. And when I talk about that time, like me and Elijah have like done drawings. We've made sculptures. We made a store called um, Well Made Toys. And I made like these fake mustaches and we had like button up shirts and aprons and we we're trying to sell like old toys. And we made those toys and we, we did a bunch of different projects together and I present my time with Elijah as like one thing that I'm doing. Like it's not each of those things, maybe something gets exhibited. Maybe there's a moment where like it's a performance, but my mentorship of him is what I even mean to present to like that the work is. It's like I am a young black person do spending my time doing this thing, using my skills. And like it is the mentorship and like that consistent stability that I'm able to offer him. Is like what is the important thing I'm trying to point at, um, and so I presented that, and Naim recommended. He, he thought it was really interesting, and he commented about the Black School, which I had heard of, um, but didn't like specifically link what they were doing to my work because I like wasn't doing it in that way. Um, and he commented about the Oakland School for the Arts, like another curriculum that was an interweaving Afro, Afro history into a class as a project. And so I let like smash together these this interest in convening a cohort of students at King School with the content inspiration, um, which was originally going to be like just Afro history generally. And then we were going to make art like Relation to it or something, and study and study Afro contemporary artists and how they use their knowledge of that to in their work. Um, and then it kind of got more streamlined where we just study Afro contemporary artists and like access the historical touchstone that they are using in their work. Um, and so, research that as frequently as I could, um, which was at any time a super epic lift, like, of need to upgrade my own awareness and education about things. um, But got smaller, like, at first, I was like, how do I teach the whole of African history in one year? Like, what do I do? Uh, (laughs) um, And so, um, yeah, and then I just picked a few artists, and we started with Naeem Brown. And like, one of his paintings is like, it has like, the cash rules, everything around me, like monikers, cream, and like, they have like this bling, it's like cream. And then I was like, okay, this is the video. And so this is like this language that is happening between the artist and like the culture. Um, And so we did a year of that programming resulting in a very imminently pre-corona February reproduction of the Black Panther Breakfast Program because we were studying Emory Douglas. We talked to Ken Ford. And I also, cooking is a part of my practice. And so, and I've been kind of romanticizing the Black Panther Breakfast Program because of every reason, its history, its culture, it was around food, it's effective at organizing, convening people around food. Like it was a background to more parts of my life that were also overlapping here. And um, yeah, that was like, and then the class kind of ended abruptly in a way in the form that it was as an after-school program um and i was able to like somehow get contact via zoom online with them throughout the end of the year and through the whole thing we went to like the hank willis thomas exhibit and each artist we like did drawing and reproductions of their work and i was like scanning those things and so within the past like day or so finished the pdf of that digital publication Um, and send an email to the finance guy at school to purchase a bunch of copies or something Uh, (laughs) before the 29th when I'm graduating. Um, But I'm not that worried about it. But it just is moving at the pace. And, like, it's funny, because I would have had to finish that before the end of last year if I was, like, trying to hurry about anything Um, and was, like, vehemently against it until I was just, like, I don't want to be in graduate school anymore. Like, let me just switch my project, Um, which is a whole whole story um so anyways yeah the project is like fledgling in a way or has a strong foundation I, I received the dynum prize for it and i've used it also as like the namesake to apply for the um portland art museum's reimagining artists grant which thank you Melanie Stevens, um for you know <laughs> uh you know just you know being aware of stuff that's cool but so that I kind of positioned around the next future arc, um, where part of it is me cyber cyberurgently interacting with young people, but kind of not really. I actually came up with this brilliant idea to create a newspaper from starting from the content of the Black Panther Records Program, which like no one really saw, um, and um, put that in like a print publication along with some stuff about like voting. And like print it and then deliver it to every student in the school because like the project has a budget now and you just like produce something and like i'm trying to deploy that to classrooms and have teachers like use it as a publication in which to teach from and so is this weird moment where now i have this form of power to create afro contemporary curricula to my own uh whims and desires uh, more in service of a a higher cause or higher causes Um, and uh, so that's what it's doing right now like that was what I thought I was gonna be able to spend my day on and then it started this accounting thing I was like I probably should order this publication beyond yesterday (laughs) um, but I'm getting there things (laughs) are getting crossed up a to-do list Um, but that's that's very nutshell afro-contemporary art class and I did um an hour plus long presentation about it that should have been counted as my graduate lecture what is it um and i can link that to you but i actually that is when we emailed a little bit during the early corona days um i did a mini presentation about F-Turner project um, at the beginning of that presentation um so yeah if anyone's like hyper curious about it that is like the digital archive of like where to really know um what's going on and some of the kids were on and they were like wearing their uniform and one of the girls like sang a song that was amazing and two these two boys the elijah twins they like put on a show they like sang a song um so yeah it's a it's a very fun project there's a lot of it's a small cadre and there's a lot of administrative labor that goes into like holding that space and it like doesn't I don't earn a cent off of it, but it has now, like, starting to develop resources that allow me, like, grand power to enact it, um, which feels really great. Um, And um, it's, yeah, hopefully the thing that I can, I'm actually in talks with Jefferson as well to start, like, expanding it. Like, the goal is just that, and I'm like, oh, I'm producing this publication, like, hopefully it has value. And hopefully has value beyond King School. Like it's just a dope publication of the kids have in their hands. Um so yeah, that's that's uh what I hope when all of the other buses start driving itself, I can start driving the school bus again. Um but one day at a time, one day at a
1: time. <laughs> I'm I'm curious, um, because it, it's from what I understand, this is a project that started pre-Corona, right?
0: Very much so, yeah.
1: Um and we're kind of witnessing this sort of shifting in like pedagogical and educational structures um, necessarily so. So I'm wondering like have your plans for what how this project lives changed since its inception to like our current circumstances?
3: Totally. I think the nature of it or even just like it not being a five hundred one C three, and it's like this is our mission for four years. We need to fundraise, and then we'll do it. Like it's nimble. Like I feel I have I feel like I have the ability to move and make it have need do what it needs to do or wants to be doing. Um, I did discover um, and like while I like unpacked it as a project for a whole year, and at the end of the year, and like had been talking to Sharita throughout the year, which by the way, that Bill publication is being printed by Shrita and Babe. Um, so shout out super. Yeah, like that was that was also her saving me from some harder challenge of trying to get it done on a timeline um, for the kids. Everyone's <laughs> for the kids. Um, and I love it and appreciate it. And anyone listening to this, like I'm looking to pay. I have money to pay artists to do things. So if you hear this, like come find me.
1: Um, we can put like your contact information in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, um, definitely. But um what did you ask me again?
1: Like the how the the plan for how this project lives has shifted. Right.
3: Um so I did discuss so I had a very interesting conversation with Sharita and I realized that like under the proper proper tutelage of grad school or whatever or whatever, yeah very that um which is interesting whenever people talk about it it's like never net positive like no one's ever like i had an amazing time so it's like you just that was like even what i thought when i was going into it and then it was just like i'm like okay i know how to talk about this now
1: um we we definitely want to ask you about that later by the way we definitely want to ask you about that later (laughs) Um,
3: and then you'll see me try to move like a cat but this is the um. So yeah, I had a conversation with Sharita, and she asked a similar question. She was like, "What is your practice?" Like we, like she, I talked for like a bunch and explained some <laughs> things, and a lot of these projects were like further from development. You know, it was like the stuff I like couldn't and didn't have time to do, and a lot of, and a lot of that is because in my various projects over the years, like again, by being on the humanity side, it's like are checks and balances spreadsheet side is like slapping in the wind but i was also just like in grad school and i was like talking about it more than i was doing it which was like uh, i thank god corona or something um if if there was a blessing um it was that one but so she's she said asked me and it kind of like took me for a momentary tailspin because i realized like it's in some ways a simple question and in the realization, and I, I felt like I had answers for it, but in the realization, as I thought about it, I realized how much time I was really just like, and I knew this as it was happening, and it was just like a part of grad school or whatever, but um, just like it was, I was just like, oh yeah, there's this other form of work that I need to be doing, and I'm not, and like, but no one even asked that question. And so that's when I was also like, yeah, I had to leave the universe that I'm paying for to have like a friendly conversation in the park, and to have someone kind of like really help me reset the awareness around it, um, and so to have thought about it a lot, and in various conversations with Lisa Jarrett, who I also like love and love working with, um, and yeah, I had a conversation with her yesterday, and she's very good. She like will never give you a straight answer, and everything is a question, and like that's how you really figure out. Like at the end, just like okay, I know, I know what I'm doing. I'm out. <laughs> um in a loving way like after an hour we're like okay we both gotta get out of here but i'm there um and so yeah like i i realized that the afro contemporary art class like when as a viewer of it and i say afro contemporary art class like the likely imagining is that i'm like teaching a class um and though because it's an art project or a socially engaged art project or, and is not a class per se in school. In fact, it's in a school, but it is not a class in school. And if it was able to masquerade as that, it's an art project that has inserted itself into some other context. And so as that art contemporary art class is an art project, it takes many forms. It will become a book, it will become a newspaper. Sometimes it's a class, PSU specifically invited me to teach it at a very interesting hiring wave of time. Um, And, like, that's also exciting. And I'm also going to use that platform to create an Afro Contemporary Art Archive, which, plug for y'all, I purchased everything you have uh, and have been purchasing just like different publications. Actually, my computer is sitting on the the book that I purchased from um, Blue Moon. Um, and, and like in, and in response to Sharita's inquiry and like in the space of like relative post-grad school slash Corona alone in your house time, like that's when I started re-listening to Octavia and like literally even before, you know, George Floyd, I was like deepening, I was in a black film class last year. And my friend has a way of helping me find things on the internet and um, <laughs> have like a big archive of like black film, just like way back, like old stuff, like that I am just interested in understanding and like consuming as a form of like deepening my awareness of the culture and backgrounds and like, especially, so I was doing that and then More recently, and that's when I like actually started listening to your show. Was after that conversation with Sharita, and I was like, Yeah, you're right. Like, I've spent no time consuming and deepening my knowledge of like the entire diasporic artistic production locally and abroad. Like, it was, I like started doing that, and then I walked into the class, and it was a little bit more of like a comical, like. Kids like kindergarten cop or something. We're just like, oh, just sit down. Come on, like this is the wait. Come back, and it, <laughs> and it needed to be that right. Like that was me leading into the human side. Like the project wanted it that. It's not how did they take a test and reproduce that knowledge later, or was I in the room like I am with Elijah, helping to shape what they're thinking about and how they're applying their thoughts and all of these different things. And so it will continue to change forms um and take up space but i am interested like the college course is cool and i'm excited for it to exist and like want teaching want want everything that that offers look fresh for the and like what kind of opportunities may come of it and like where i want to go with my life um or be able to use as a resource um but the focus and was almost like an interesting invitation because i was like oh what does this class even mean and that's where the conversation with lisa came up it was like what does this class mean when it's for adults and not everyone's black like the original was young kids who are all black and so the conversation and arc and interest is different then Um, so yeah the the summation which there is more to say is that yeah the class is an art project and so is like the name, the title of an art project. And so it doesn't always need to take the form as a class to be under the umbrella of me kind of uh, steering the ship that is that idea.
1: All right, so you broached um, grad school a little bit.
3: I knew I shouldn't have brought it up. It was on the script, I knew it was coming.
1: Everyone. You could have vetoed it. I
3: could have vetoed it, and I didn't. So. I- now you're in. You're on the inside. Turn
1: it on. Turn it up. Um. So Max and I are both um yeah. veterans yeah. of the grad school, the art grad school experience in Portland. In Portland,
3: we're, we're alma maters-ish.
1: Yes.
2: Give them back um, to the community.
1: Yeah. So, tell us about what Portland State was like.
3: Portland State. Um, I guess I mean and like let's assume maybe your listener well let's let's say everyone's just from Portland which is, was one of the super exciting things for me like like wow y'all have done a lot of work for me like this is what I am doing I'll just look at what you did you know and but it's interesting too like in the in the arc of the African American art class like its primary mission it we studied like five artists or something um so you know a little bit goes a long way. And so I have like a spreadsheet of like over 100 that I haven't really consumed fully, but like my my head is spinning. Um, But anyway, um, so yeah, for those of you listening from wherever, like we just lost a master or yeah, like a program locally. Um, So the art scene here is kind of like wild, but is like certainly a frontier. And that feels like it's changing for me, whether that's like part of my experience or the world or both are changing at the same time. Um, and other things, um, and I also, for everyone's awareness, I am from the East Coast, so I like, came out here for school, and like it was like my whole universe in some ways is only newly becoming like a postgraduate life in Portland. Um, and so, as a an institution, Portland State, or even just yeah, like a semi-cityish. Cause like from the East coast, Portland is like semi city-ish and it's, I don't know, like you can move around campus. Um, That's cool. Um, For those also, (laughs) this is me moving like a cat, Um, but there is, and I think there's a moving through the world in a way that's political period that's like unnecessary and then there's a way that you need to move through through like the political professional world and you're black um and i think i'm actually in a interesting corona of that or maybe everyone has the power and again if you're listening it's like i have been in a lot of rooms raising a lot of hell recently um because shit's whack and i just don't know how to like be in that room like i started making objects i'm like how do i change the world now like Different organizations are like what do you think and I'm like this is fucked up um and so like I'm just like I'm in my bedroom I'm like I'm gonna tell you like whatever (laughs) uh I'll just turn you off um so yeah no I think it's important to have the conversation which is why I didn't try to skirt around at all but I am trying to like just be honest and so yeah I think as a school and like also the um Liz Charman um who's like I guess she was a design professor, but she became the dean, like the like the seat opened and she like moved into that position like when I also kind of moved here. And so she was kind of like coming up and finding her chops in that world. And I, that was like the head admin person that I would like need to be engaging. And she was amazing. She is, has been very helpful to me. And like, so has the like secretarial administrative staff of the art building at PSU, like, and the like grounds people world and and the person I sent that like crazy one-year-old receipt list to which was very well correlated but have been scolded against such things in the past (laughs) um, but has been very kind and has made digital finance magic happen um and so in that way and like moving here and I guess I could say this but has been an interesting like thing like I used to habitate in the school like I occupied my office and slept there for seven months um and like was almost like not as secret as I like even could probably should have tried to have it be at that time um but also mean as far as my practice not to be like shy about applying to grad school and tumbling out of Standing Rock and like winding up here and like so that's why I'm like what what was PSU like in a certain way when I arrived and like had what was there, I was like, thank God, this is like, I've landed somewhere. It was hard, but I have landed. And so I also think, and this have been almost saying all of that to get to this point, for those of you who do or do not know, PSU has two masters tracks and on the books, there's one of them, but, both the application and branding is separate entirely. In fact, that you would be a cohort of one or the other and, and not both. And interchangeability has happened historically one time and is ha- happening now, but like otherwise they have been two programs that were one and had fissured to become two totally distinct programs. Um, and so I did apply and attend the um, art and social practice master's program at PSU. Um, of which has one primary faculty, Harold Fletcher, and all of the other faculty in the program are adjunct faculty. Um, And um, so when you have classes, like Lisa Jerry is a professor that I have had, but is actually under employee of the art practice universe. And um, Ariana Jacob I worked with, Sarah Merck I worked with, Yael Amir, Roya Amir Soleimani, who also I forgot to mention before about grandmother's kitchen, bring your own blanket, free community picnic and dialogue just happened, it was super spectacular. And uh, Pike, Pike uh, through Roya supported that project, which was uh, very dreamy to be aware people aware of my work and interested and supportive, and that was a huge project for me. Um, so have had, have landed in Portland quite newly and have been able to like land and have traction um, in this world. And like, however much that's me and Portland as a place and whatever, but like definitely the program as an entity exposed me to people who are cool. Um, And yeah, like I would say like, that's a rough shape of it. Um, And I think like more intimately, it has a lot of flexibility. Like you can do almost anything you want Um, and there's not a lot of like reading and writing stuff to be doing, um, like almost maybe the perfect amount, which for me was as a non-reader writer, like almost borderline too much. But I kept saying to myself, like, if I was in, even across the street, which is the separation of us from this other program, I might have drowned, you know, like, um, just the amount of kind of studying and they are like a two year program. And so they cram the same course load um, in two years and you have to do like a studio practice. And so on the social practice side, it's a three year program. And for you like academic heads, the codes and like the original identity of the two programs originally being one remains the same. So like a transfer between them is I guess unstoppable because technically you're already in the other program. But there's like a different process to be selected and like be like a, a student in that space and like have a, a receipt in the roster of the cohort of five. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's like, that's the, the gist of it. Um,
2: how was your cohort and how did you get along with them?
3: That's an interesting question too. Um, so, my, uh, Roshni Thakur um, is like kind of this. Now it's almost like us right now. Like as far as like people who are still around in correlation to our graduating class, there's Zeph Fishlin, who like moved here from the Bay, um, who is a total BA and um, does total BA things that can't be described here in this more very public place way, um, but super cool. Um, and then, so they recently, especially because of Corona and they were like debating, but and the fires or whatever, they just like moved back to California um, more very recently. And um, Eric Olson, who just gave his graduate talk and Tia Kramer, who just gave their graduate talk. Eric Olson is in um, Seattle And Tia is in Walla Walla, Washington, which also for folks to think about the program, it's like limited residency. So, or it's, I don't know, some other special term that means means whatever, but you can apply to and attend the entire program online or be in an in-person capacity or like fluctuate for whatever reason. Um, And so like only three-fifths of the cohort was here. and so in any case, we did get along quite well. Um, like I was actually, I think the youngest person on the cohort. So it was like pretty seasoned people in the world um, and like a rich history and like pretty like, a, not a type personality per se, but as a group, we were definitely like, whoa, like we got we to gotta get, what's, did we get a spreadsheet? What's going on here? Um, and so, yeah, it was really helpful in kind of galvanizing as a cohort. And like, you know, resisting the forces external to us and like kind of moving the larger machine forward, Um, because also because the program is like one directorial staff and then adjuncts to teach classes, every other thing that the program is that maybe like a team of professors would be doing is like just Harold's responsibility. And so a lot of the program, it's like running the program, like not in a spreadsheet way, but in a like, okay, the program is responsible for this event, like uh, who's buying the cups or whatever, like every granular part of it, including like design and where we're going on trips or what artist is coming. Um, and so, yeah, I think my cohort was like, definitely have heard horror stories that mine was nothing similar to.
2: Yeah, I had this idea of a uh, PSU social practice just being like a bunch of like culty white women, but um, you uh, you tell a different story. <laughs> what? It's just from stories I've heard, I'm not saying that. I just heard things.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, you, you can see it in the urban <laughs> legends. Um, I love it. And I will say that, um, yeah, people who look like me are not the common denominator in the history of that program and in fact has occurred to my awareness only one time prior and that is like also an interesting history um, and is there's currently a, a young woman who moved here from Texas um, I well, actually I don't know if she moved but was like practicing in the south and a lot of her work centers the black identity which in ways like my work like found that at the end like it was not even an intentional choice per se um and now very much is a hyper intentional choice but like very fortunately for myself in a way that both my program could not and i don't think programs anywhere do well like hold the black experience well or really at all or so yeah there's there is that and but with that said the cohort is actually quite multicultural over the years in ways um but definitely is actually i think even though that's the case um, there are i think as i'm sure you have convened with other people in the world and have experienced different ways of holding space um that there is missing links in because like like imagine and it's a poor analogy like not even in a special way but comparing social practice to to any other art form is like helpful and unhelpful it flat like i don't mean to flatten painting let's say um or social practice but just to like kind of reach the world like imagine you make a painting about yourself like a self portrait and it's like very revealing in certain ways about your identity or your personality, or your past, or your dreams. And then someone's like, oh, they like dash it almost like an aesthetic or something. They're like, oh, it shouldn't have this. And you're like, oh man, this is really personal to me. Like, this is a hard critique. And like in art, it's like a common thing that we talk about or happens. But in social practice, you're like, really, like, this is my sexual identity and I'm doing this sexual act. And I'm making art out of it, and now we're talking about it. And you're like, well, what if you change the color of this? And it's like, well, whoa, well, like I don't know if you can. We gotta hold this space differently, um, and so I think like it's common actually for dialogical containers to not actually have good parameters or boundaries around these things, and it, it is like in best case scenarios, someone or groups of someone's who like have the ability to navigate really delicate and sensitive things um it's not it, and and or someone who's been trained in it or creates that or cultivates that in a certain communication group but that is like not a conversation that we have we like talk about it almost analytically like under the microscope these intersectionalities do exist um and so the coldness of that is I, it's like you know if you, you can't be a chef and tea and like be like you can't taste you know, you got to have to be
2: able to taste. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Do you have a question, Melanie, or can I go?
1: Oh, <laughs> I was just digesting that. Um, you can go, go.
2: Um, with, with all the things, yeah, with all the things you just said, and then um, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier, but then um, thinking about it again with what you just said, like, for, for your work, for your practice, this, like, ideas around, like, direct community action and, like, um this, like, um criticality and engagement, do you feel like you have days off? Or, like, what is, like, can you take days off from your practice? And then, if so, what does, like, a day off even look like?
3: Yeah. I do think that's a paradox. And I think, like, given the nuance of the question, the, like easiest and maybe most conceptual answer is that no there are no days off um but to like maybe unpack that more um i think like my earlier practice like i definitely like drove myself more crazy you know like i was studying conceptual artists you know like this person lived in a box for months or like you can put yourself in a cage or <laughs> pierce yourself and hang yourself and i'm like "Whoa! like what do i do and um there's very many stories and i have a friend sean uh who's better at telling them than i because he like mythologizes me but some of his favorites are when i decided to not wear shoes and bear the whole winter in in western new york without them which i don't know if it actually happened that way but that's how he tells the story (laughs) Uh, but he was my roommate and i also for a period of time in the interest of water conservation used to pee in jars and like do like a bulk kind of like drop situation, um, which also is better in his telling. Um, but it's like certain <laughs> forms of of like augmenting my own life, um, in <clears throat> very intentional ways to like whatever, make a statement or like, but like the statement wanted to be real, like was so real that it is a statement or something. And I was just like, ah, oh, what's the next thing? And like similarly had a bunch of different projects going on and and so that, like, was almost, like, a short-out moment. I was just, like, I don't know how to, like, become an artist. Um, like, from having an anti-aesthetic and an anti-capitalist approach in a conceptual, like, beyond conceptual, just as actual, you know? It's, like, I've thought about this so hard. Like, this is a carrot, and, like, you can eat it. Um, in fact, like, I remember talking about my, my undergrad show saying that I wanted um, asparagus for, like, my graduate show. And, like, I remember saying that to someone, and they, like, burst out laughing. They was like, how do you know you want asparagus? And I was like, the whole concept is that you, like, planted it today because you can't harvest it until next year. Like, the time is right now. Um, And so, yeah, I was, like, driving myself crazy with the sky is falling paradigm. Like, the sky is falling, and I'm trying to communicate that by making objects and somehow surviving. And and so, yeah, like did just get lost in that. Like was a young person, it's like, if I grind on this really hard, then I'll like do it or something. Um, and that there's like a much, much longer story of how that became the practice that I have now. Um, and I think in that in-between space, depending on the arc, um, was more or less. I think I was like depressed for many years, where I was like, had maybe like a normal job, and I was just like, I don't really know what to do. <laughs> you know, I was like, still an artist. Like my work is like in jars. Like you could still do it when you have a job, but you just like, you know, I, I just didn't have a an angle for success. I knew I wanted to go to grad school, but I was also trying to like learn the systems. Like I was trained as an artist, and then I was like, oh man, like community systems and not for profits, like all this stuff. So I like. Lingered for a while doing some stuff and then did disparate projects here and there and like learned, you know, was like cooking food for homeless people and then like wound up at a soup kitchen and then like working there like consistently for multiple years and was like, is this more effective than just like because I did it on Thanksgiving one time and there's just like food all over in the streets, like everyone gives them food on Thanksgiving. And I was like, ah, oh, there's a lot to learn about this. And so started to like, just work normal places like soup kitchen. And like, I got a job in as AmeriCorps Vista. And I tried to apply to Baltimore, like right after Freddie Gray and applied to like multiple jobs. And I accidentally applied for one that wasn't in Baltimore and was right in my parents' backyard in a way and was able to like stay at my parents' house. But I was like trying to move to Baltimore and like expose myself and change my culture and my surroundings and do work in the community that I was wanting to do work in. And But the job I got was um, a working at a not-for-profit that did programming for youth. And I was like, ooh, this is, like, weirdly on mission. Like, should I do this? And then learned that not-for-profit system, and it was just like, whoa, like, this is not what I want for a lot of different reasons. Um, and it was that same time that Standing Rock was happening, and I was like... Uh, I just want so badly to get as close to the front line as possible and do that like be an artist there and so and I was like I think I'm going to quit this AmeriCorps thing and I stayed in it for the community like the project launched everything happened like I overfunded it by like hundreds of thousands of dollars I don't even talk about it because it's like it's a, a major accomplishment but it doesn't like do what I'm interested in so it's like just a footnote, um, but Standing Rock actually did teach me a lot. and was like, took over my whole life for five months. Um, and so in that, like, and it was weird because I finished that job, I had nothing going on. I got on a bus with strangers and I just felt compelled to be there. I felt compelled to like reach the front line. And I, when I was there, I was really um,
2: moved in
3: a million different ways and decided to stay when the group i went with left and ended up needing to apply to grad school from like uh an rv with like someone's hotspot, um which was during donald trump's time and so between that era of like everyday activism and like today for me i went to grad school so in some way like i really wasn't doing it every day but at times in my life have been like immersed um and I feel like there's a happy medium, like the kind of like casual mention of scheduling and like sort of that there is like time for my partners or recreation or rest. That's newer and have had like much more exhausting times and in many ways feel exhausting. It's exhausted now, but I also feel, and I think this echoes the sentiment of the original question is like, given my past to right now, I do feel like I'm on a front line. And that's why I'm like raising hell in these different Zoom rooms. And that's why like the you know, people for mutual education is doing an event um, this Sunday to hand out the pamphlets and like train people on how to go to door to door. Like I feel like for me as an artist and an activist, I'm like almost a non political entity, like I don't believe that this government is gonna save us. But I believe if we have a popular vote moment right now and everyone has like one shot it's like of the candidates i'm voting for teresa rayford but i also feel like like because of that and the urgency of it unlike tim Phone or the multi-year development of elijah like this next 20 days my work is cut out for me um and i'm like graduating like my graduate lectures on the 29th and i defend on the second and i'm throwing like a secret birthday party that y'all are welcome to come to um on the 31st so i'm just doing it i'm just trying to live as a human um and i think that like i guess really to get to the heart of your question is because the separation between my work and my life has collapsed and that's the paradox it's like there is no getting away from it but and i guess this and i really actually appreciated the episode where melanie talked about having lupus like my that was it was like weird again it's like oh i'm listening to this podcast it's produced in my backyard was like oh weird like i have a personally identifying experience with this like my father would do this and that's a whole story um but i that's why the afro-contemporary bicycling like that's an underlying theme like this form of self-care i'm claiming it and i'm making this is a part of my practice to do this and in this very specific way I don't use my handlebars and like it's also a form of movement and it's also like all of these other things. Um, and so I just like and I, I collaborate with my dog Artis, artist Matoska and so we spend time together and we do projects and so I try to claim the time that is for myself and give it some value, even if it's putting my feet up, like being really intentional about that moment and talking about it that way. And it's like, as you all are very aware, you have been paid for your work, but you like almost just get paid to make the work. Like when I don't know the, and very recently, am I able to like eat off of that money? Um, But like eat, not like get fed or whatever, Uh, (laughs) like survive. Um, and in a conversation with a certain local grant making foundation, I said, I feel like I'm in the fast food industry of my industry. Like I work all the time. I have enough money to like work all the time. Um, and so want to be able to also propose projects where it's like, yeah, I'm going to buy myself a bicycle or I'm going to go organize my files at this residency because like... I'm not organizing my files. Like my two desktops are like really uncomfortable right now. But I just, and my computer is constantly like, you're running out of space. And I'm just like, whatever, man, I don't got time for you. I got to fold these pamphlets and I got to do the thing. Um, so it is, it's tough, but I think if there was a time during my life, it's not the time to be sleeping unless you need it and then you should take a nap.
1: You're about to graduate. Um, and it sounds like you're already doing all the things, so there's like no, there's no respite, there's no time to get depressed, that's nice.
3: (laughs) (laughs) thank you for shining a a positive light on it.
1: Um, and you mentioned, um, you just got this pretty big grant. You got like one of those, like, career artist grants. What's that like?
3: I was like, whoa, that happens? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hotcakes. How are you feeling about it? Like, it's uh, kind of like a shift in power um, and like your status and social capital. So what are the implications of that for you?
3: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I also, something I would have typed as a comment is like, wow, you ask really engaging questions and have really interesting discourse. Like, I feel like, yeah, I'm really in a room that I want to be in when I'm like walking around the city on a
0: podcast
3: so um yeah and it's interesting too like my perceptual range is like sometimes i feel like i'm like oh my god my life is and i look at the calendar next week i'm like i have nothing i needed to do that Hmm." um it's not like there's nothing to do but literally i can't see that far people like what are you doing next month i'm like what is that next month um and so, yeah, like, I think a lot of things that are happening for me that are really exciting, like, and I I also consider myself to be, like, a neurodiverse human. So, I imagine that I'm perceiving reality a little bit different for something. Um, so, to that end, like, I wasn't really even thinking about it as, like, a career, like, like that thing that goes on your uh, bio, which also I was going to ask how my bio sounds because I like, I recently changed it at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm just like, I'm tired of this. Like, how do we get to the point and also like stick it to the man a little bit? Um, but I, I was, yeah, not, uh, yeah, you're totally right. Um, I think that is really exciting. I also like, I got a phone call, which felt really warm two um i was like oh cool but i was also like literally going down for a, a nap like i was in some form of pass out from some part of my life and i get a phone call and they're like hey like you won this money and i was like i'm really excited like you don't know that but i am <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and So it's like it still hasn't set in like and i to. To flesh out, or like even prop myself up, right or whatever. Like I also won the Dynam Prize, which is a ten thousand dollar prize at PSU for it's called the Dynam Dynam Prize for Visionaries and Provocateurs. And I, I feel like I have a little do a little situation. So they have these little postcards, and I've been picking one up every year. Like you go to the school, you just teleport here, you live in their office, and you're like, oh, you guys are giving ten thousand dollars away. Like how do I get that? And I applied for a project to, like, do, like, a plastic project in Brazil. And, I did, you know, didn't, I was, like, it was called River Sister Cities. And it was, like, oh, I live in a city that has a river. And, like, there's a city that's there polluted and, like, create, like, a residency thing. And didn't get selected. And I forget what I, I think I just applied dryly, like, Imagination Academy, which is the umbrella for my, like, youth-based work. Like, Africa W.R. class, Elijah, different things. Um and so this time i had right and it's interesting to note because the selection was pre-Georgia Floyd i believe um and so whatever the magic of african contemporary art class of which i think was also leading in my PAM application um and so this project has a lot of heat on it Because of what it looks like, because of what it feels like, because of whatever that represents. Like, I think I also did a good job. I also, it's very interesting. I think, given my best attempts, it still is not even clear what happens or what it is. Like, it's amazing just like the pictures, but like, you know, there's a picture in the book of a girl with a microphone, and the caption is written by her, and it's like, oh, I had fun. But she she's like, I like later, I was like, how did you feel about the event? And they were like, she was like, I never talked on the microphone before. And so like, you know, it's really something in a way that no one knows but us. Um, and so, yeah, so that project, even though it's greater than can be perceived by during eyes, it seems highly competitive pre-George Floyd. Um and so it is very exciting. Like again, I didn't like you know when you're in the art school universe and it's like yeah you go to get your MFA and then you go on this residency tour and you become a famous artist and you're like what the fuck is that like? <laughs> God damn, I'm screwed. You're like I wanted to feed myself. Like damn it. Um, and so, you know like there was nothing about it like I believed in myself, but also belief in myself is claiming living in the office at of your school because that's the most economically feasible literal reality to me. Um, and I just expected, like, read the question of, like, does it ever end? You know, like, I don't, I think I, I and I, the way I've been describing it recently, which is really interesting, it feels like the 1% like of, of graduating masters, like one some ridiculously Tiny percent of them are like just getting grants and like feeding themselves. Um, and and so it's like, wow, you're doing awesome! I was like, hell yeah, I just gotta make this, I gotta blow this up 10 times, and then I'll (laughs) be all right. And so, when I like sleep six to less hours a day, um, and so it's exciting. That I I think the most exciting part of it is I get to make my work. Like, the problem isn't, like, damn, I don't have the microphone. It's like, do I need a microphone? Boom, we got it. Like, my grandmother's kitchen, two of the guys, I dressed all three of them, but two of them were meant to be, like, which I guess it's funny that this this moment is happening. This is very funny. Hold on. If you don't, I'm just going to take a screenshot. Hold on. There we go. Um, So... (laughs) so uh actually the keyboard the keyboard is in the way um so there we go i love it so i actually proposed for <laughs> grandmother's kitchen i wanted to have like a, a video record of it and so that's actually being produced right now and it looks really good and there was like an era where it might have been like a live stream and i wanted to like pipe it through so there was like commentators like on this live event you know like a basketball game and Um, I originally, I had been listening to a bunch of the Natural podcast and I was just like, oh, like, man, I could really see them, like, commentating on the thing. Um, and then, like, I was talking to the Tin Can Phone guys about this idea of trying to create a, um, like a digital archive of the, of this live project that, like, otherwise would be just documented in photo. Um, and long story short, um... Tin Can Phone received monies from Oregon Humanities and like has operational funds. And I got a lot of that money to pay them. And they're like, no, we need to like do stuff, like buy everyone microphones. I'm like, but just take this money, just run, just take it. Um, so now I have a cool new microphone. Um, and so, yeah, that money was like, all right, we'll get microphones, whatever. And I bought them three piece suits to be like this golf sportscaster like of the picnic and they kind of like it's almost like it's a rap video like oh now you're at grandma's kitchen um and i was like this is what it is you know like it's just me making broad strokes where like people have autonomy they like picked red suits like a burgundy suit a flashy red suit with jordan's you know the right cap on and so it was like i just wanted the aesthetic for the video but i also wanted to like buy them a suit like the humanist version, the economic version is like, let's rent you a suit. The humanist version is like, you don't have a suit and now you have a suit. Um, And so I'm able to use these monies like very powerfully. Like I'm going to be able to just purchase like 50 copies of this book, you know, and I can just buy paper and vape and work to make a design and distribute a copy to everyone in the school. And I could like pay artists to create new work and And so I have that power in my practice, but even if I took it all, like I wouldn't like, I have $100,000 in student loan debt. Like, do I ever get out of this, you know? Um, And so, and like, I'm auditing it all, you know, like everything I purchase, I save every receipt. It's a part of my practice, it's on my website. Um, And so I don't expect to ever escape, but my practice continues to be sustained by the the powerful lights of the art world. Um, and I'm, whatever, building a rocket ship and flying away. <laughs> Trying. Um, yeah, I think I will be able to sustain continuing to be a mentor in people's lives and provide monies and work on projects and that. I, I, uh, yeah, I feel great about that happening. And I do, I think the only way to get further for me is to keep making my work and keep pushing it harder and get more of whatever that world has to offer, which is like why that teaching opportunity is amazing. Like it's an adjunct position, so it's, it feeds you sort of. Um, but it's, I need, and it's like thank God I didn't have to apply for a job. Like thank, oh, like I didn't because I, my, I don't have the capacity. And I don't even know if I would have been, you know. It's just getting selected was amazing, and that's why if you're a grant maker, you should just select people. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it feels it feels good, and it feels good in a way where like it keeps the lights on. So it's not like a oh damn. And I don't even mean that it's not prestigious and exciting. And I do think it does have that impact in my career in ways that I'm not thinking about at all, actually, um, or. You know i'm aware of but it's almost like an unconscious thought and i'm really excited about how i can use them as tools and it's the reason why a lot of my accounting is so late is because i'm constantly just paying out of pocket like doing the accounting on the front end like slows it down in a way that i can't really jive with it requires a level of organization that i'm like not um but getting these grants allows me to just like pay for it and ask answer questions later um and that feels good like it also again in this humanist end of the spectrum like i have very close relationships with my collaborators who if you were like an art curator or something and you don't get it you might see me as kind of like wrangling people or something or like me as like just whatever it's like a circus of my coordination but like we're all friends and we're close and i'm able to like Venmo them money because they're participating in certain projects, but like it helps them put gas in the tank kind of stuff or like pay rent. Especially in the incarceral world, a lot of that work is engineered around certain financial strategies to get money in their pockets or afford the project, or I just had a meeting this morning that I was called into with my collaborator Gallery Blue, and he met a guy who has CNC router skills and, um, but like is formerly incarcerated, and so like they're like, cool, I'm glad you learned these skills inside, but you were never gonna get this job. And he's like really got a head on him and he's a young guy and he like wants to start a business and he wants to figure out how to go fund me. And so I'm already in this position where as an artist and a person who's winning awards and a grants, I have a certain form of political power. And I think that's why I'm thinking of it more than it's like actual art world power, is I have political power in the community. Um, both on like the street level, so to speak, but also in like an administrative boardroom level in certain ways. Um, and I'm able to use that position to, again, just continue to funnel resources in these directions. And so this meeting this morning, I was like coaching the guy, it's like, let's first do a project with Gallery Blue, let's raise you $7,000 and get you a CNC machine. Like in some respects, like 7,000 isn't like crazy, especially in these times in certain ways because people are, like, just buying stuff. and But, like, he wants to employ other ex-cons. And I'm like, that's, like, the $40,000 deal that is also possible, but, like, let's bite size it out. Like, let's get you a machine. And then you can use the machine to do whatever you want, but then also do a Kickstarter to whatever. And so these $5,000 pops for me are, like, amazing. Um, But also it's, like, I'm in this situation where, like, I'm – certain projects just require like seven-ish thousand um, dollars to happen but it is like a ponzi scheme like again like i don't have expendable money of in the amount of seven thousand dollars and the dynam prize, i am eating um, <laughs> and so but the project always was reliant on my unpaid labor so in a way it's kind of like a paycheck to me rubbing stones together like you know, the budget, I, the, I finalized the budget, it's under $15,000 for the entire year of the African Debra Art class. And I paid Amenta 100 bucks um, to come and like be there. Um, but I um, have money left over in that original $15,000 amount that I was given to run that project to purchase the publication. Um, and so, but like all of the things that I did, it was like a year of, uncompensated time on my part um and so these these grants are like helpful and necessary for me to live but it's also weird and and thank god we don't have to tell them like for this especially this grant um the pam grant i didn't have to like propose a specific project or i mean i did reference how my practice is changing and that was also a a reprieve because my practice is changing and like telling you, I'm gonna make a pogo stick, and then like there's a, a pandemic and a fire crisis, like right? a pogo stick's not the right thing anymore. But now I have this check, um, and so yeah, just being able to sustain myself and uh, and remain kind of with liquid assets, like I can continue to like conduct this whatever cyclone around me. Um, but it is like just labor and people's time and generous favors, um, and so that's lucky and I appreciate and continue to try to acknowledge in grandmother's kitchen, we're working on the video and I want to record everyone's name, who, like signed this paper at the end, because it is always everyone. Like my work, everyone brings their individual autonomy into a project and they are now like inadvertently a collaborator of what ends up happening. Um, and in the formal qualities of art, I try to like credit people for that. Um, but yeah, anyway, so money is good everyone keep moneying me um and to that end i think again to support the African WR class i have a patreon for that um and i'll throw y'all the link my link tree which is just like a gallery blues looking for money and can't phone us getting the patreon online so people can tailor what they're interested in and what they're going to get back from it but i really right now i have like 42 patrons on uh the African WR class and it's like about 400 bucks a month and that money is just to pay other artists to work in this project. And so, and what's the budget I didn't have the first time around. And so, and essentially designed that to be in school and bringing artists, black contemporary artists in school um, to the students. Um, and so isn't happening. And so now I'm looking for artists to collaborate on the future iterations of this newspaper that I'll be distributing to folks homes. So, Money is always good. Uh, love money, send send money please. And if you're really cool, you can buy my $100,000 of debt, um, would love it. And if you don't know, everyone look up Sonia Renee Taylor. She created a project called Buy Back Black Debt, which I talk about in the Reparations and Reallocations of Wealth pamphlet. And it was, she just spoke to the internet. She's like, look, black debt is not cool and here's all the ways that it manifests and is fucked up and some people are grappling with prison or houses or whatever businesses and it's like white people have expendable income and if someone just did some spreadsheet magic we buy it back and then it like has a transform she cultivates the story around transformative power to like rewrite history and the narrative because like i may be crushed under this debt for the rest of my life and by god will it just be a part of my conceptual art because I knew that was going to happen and (laughs) I'm not practicing as an artist in a way where I'm going to pay it off unless I just like get famous or whatever. Um, so money is good. Keep on sending that money.
2: Yeah. I think one of the things you brought up that I've been thinking about a lot recently is especially like when receiving like, you know, a few thousand dollars like here and there for grants is like, how do you take that money? And then, um, make it turn into something sustainable beyond just like buying something or like paying people like this idea that like um you know not not giving somebody fish but teaching somebody fish instead of just like paying people to do stuff you buy like equipment so they're able to do it indefinitely and um yeah that's something I've been thinking about um in my own practice too but then I thought yeah it was interesting you brought up um but, yeah, I think that's always, like, this important thing. Like, how do I take, okay, if I get $5,000 at once, how do I take that $5,000 and potentially turn it into something more or something that will last even longer, right, mm-hmm. through, um, yeah, through giving people potentially more resources or, like, hooking them up with equipment or whatever else. I also, like, I'll, I always go back to, like, ideas around, like, equity and then, like, um, real estate. Like, how do, like, these, like, small little uh, grants turn into, like, something that's, like, stand- sustainable, like, land ownership or something.
3: <clears throat> yeah i think uh, it's interesting to like me having a sculpture background or something because like i was worded up in the art world but it was in like a weird way in a way like for where i am and like what i'm doing now but also i mean it might be weird i guess to the listener but in ways it's not like sculptors are just like okay i need this material it costs as much i like do this kind of labor on it i have these kinds of facilities and then maybe i sell it for this and so but it's like and there's some concept and you're also in the art world and maybe you teach and so or you apply for grants and then you're able to like make a big thing and so there is this economies of scale almost in a way that i have like conceptualized but like they were talking about it and just the necessity of that medium um and i think it provides an interesting background to the way that i practice um I think my own upbringing also provides like an interesting relationship to how I like manage finances or how carefree I can be or like what feels comfortable. Like it feels comfortable for me to live on the edge. I think I, I think everyone lives on the edge. They're just more or less aware of it. Um, and so I just am aware of it. <laughs> and so that's a thing, but yeah. And that's like the the middle story between like, and then I learned about conceptual art. like there, near the tail end of my degree, I was like, materials have a really disconcerting carbon footprint. And I was like, really concerned about the environment. Um, And I was just like, okay, I can't use materials. And it's like, damn it, what do I do now? Um, And I started to like, think about food as a medium, because it, um, like, if you, we're gonna eat lunch anyway, but you like do a project at lunch with food, you like kind of collapse the carbon footprint of your practice into something you're gonna do anyway. Um, And so that kind of thinking was the beginning of like me really reconditioning my practice, including like starting to make meals and then people would come and they would like talk for hours. And I was like, wow, I, I wish, this is what I wanted when people looked at my sculpture. They're like, be like, wow, I think we really need to
0: change things up.
3: And so, yeah, like I, as I started to try to have that conversation more intentionally, um, it also was tied in economics. It's like I need this many vegetables. I like, then I can make soup. There's this labor involved, and then like, so there's that piece of it. And just yeah, thinking about sustain like sustainability, environmentally, and then in all of the ways where you're like, what kind of, like I started a t-shirt business it was my graduate project as an undergrad, and it was all environmental designs, bamboo clothes. Um, and every time you bought a shirt it went money went to a not-for-profit associated with that design and it was like designed by other artists and money went to the artists i was trying to create this economic scheme and create a product that's consumable and people will buy it and then i was like oh now i'm running a t-shirt business like, i don't know if i want to do that um
2: <laughs> but i was trying to like <laughs> right. you know
3: save the world or whatever um and it wasn't sustainable like neither the like work or the practice or like what my daily tasks were going to be but I was also running a business, like an art project, and so I wasn't like paying myself, and like, so it just, and, you know, it was flat. It didn't like plant a million trees. And that's when I started to like pivot away, 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 and towards like not-for-profits. Like how can I scale up in this way that's actually sustainable? Um, and then that world's not sustainable either, and so I'm more um, sustainable now, um, in a way. And part of that is kind of just conceptualizing what i'm making purchases for and how and what do they do but it's also a form of like even though i'm solvent and i eat and i can feed other people and i can dress them and i can do all that stuff and i can get the equipment like newly like in the past few months these it feels a little bit more casual and literally in the past few months but have have been able to scrape that together on a more disparate scale before um and but now though um yeah, as we've discussed, it's like I a need a, a next level of that, or like to conceptually grapple with like. And I was trying to figure out a job at a not-for-profit to forgive my stuff, or whatever. You know, it's just like, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, there is no sustainable. Like, my uncle was like, oh, if you're doing Gallery Blue, if you like sell the thing and give me bucks, I'm like, man, I got a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Like, administrating that is a nightmare. I just want to give them the money. That's what the project is about. I don't need to skim their stuff so I can go further. Like it's, I can run that project as well as I want. I can run all my projects as well as I want, and they will never just like turn a profit like a business. They're not a business. There are projects, um, and therefore I'm beholden and need art money to survive. So, it's, in that way, I'm just another painter, or sculptor, or video artist. We're all individuals who have diverse practices and are inspired by different forms and mediums and produce and claim those things as work, which I, I wrote down in my. One note i took at the beginning of the show um i like how and i loved it when i listened to the show how you like claim it's all art because we say so it's like yeah contemporary art if you don't get it whatever you want goes like next next question and and so i'm just claiming it all and doing it all and running my existence like a business and i'm auditing it and the audit will show i feed myself i spend money on projects i live in relative squalor as far as economic economic you know, like a qualify for OHP and other forms of economic strata, uh, affordable housing, all the stuff. I'm on my taxes for the past many years remains on the lowest level. And that's intentional. Like making more money doesn't actually serve me at all. It doesn't serve the project. So her sustainability, I, I, almost, I almost short-circuited out on it in the earlier part of the story. Uh, not the question, but as I was talking about my origins, That was like a when between when I started the t shirt business, I was like, ah, and I like short circuited and quit school for a semester. (laughs) Um, and then started using certain chemical agents to help my brain do the right stuff. Um, Oh, yeah. And 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 here I am, yeah, getting that PAM money,
2: yeah, (laughs) chemical agents to getting paid. (laughs) Thank you, chemical agents, yeah.
1: Um. So, we've been talking for a bit, so we're probably going to close out soon, but um, before we go, I guess, I'm curious, like, where where do you see this landing, like, in five to ten years? Like, what does what the future of your art practice look like?
3: That's a good question. And I feel, I feel like I, 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 feel like I had an epiphany recently, and then I lost. I, I can't remember it now, but that's how my epiphanies go. I'm like, oh, that's an idea, and then like, it's relevant enough that it occurs to me again. I'm like, I remember this.
2: Yeah, if it's important, um, it'll come back.
3: Yeah, you know, I stopped taking notes. I'm like, I don't read those. It'll come back if it's worth it. Um. So, um, yeah. So you mean like, where do I see my career, or my? You mean you said my practice. But both or and or?
1: Both and. Yeah. It's all connected. Um, (sighs)
3: The dream for African contemporary art class would be like some form of immersion in more than one school. Um, Like, it would be great if really, like, I was able to pay myself to just advance that project. Um, Like, and and even pay myself, just like art money, pay myself, like, eat and, like, go on vacation or something. to the next town or whatever um so that would be cool like people for mutual education like i just spend money on like i'm fundraising for it but it just feels imminent like i have money to make art like this is my practice um i i think teaching i'm interested in it and that's like how i went from object to dinner to t-shirt to teaching kids is like the future is the one way I know that I'm spending my time doing the right thing, as the sky is falling. You know what I mean. Um, and so, I'm interested. That's why my conceptual practice has brought me to direct collect, direct collaborations with young people because, like, I want to be in that space, but I don't want to be beholden to the rules of like how that space is managed by the systems of power that exists, um, as normal teachers should not be. But that's a soapbox. Um, but like you know, the, like teach and master, and even was the, almost the primary reason for getting a master's was opening the door to teaching um, as a form of daily labor that I can do, where if I also am able to cultivate a practice that teaching within my practice is to do my own practice. So if, and that's like why the foothold at PSU for the African art class is so significant because it's literally the dream, which I don't know if it'll work out that way, but the dream was that I would be able to like be working with kids and that work with kids is also relevant to my collegiate professorialship, And so can like do that work in conjunction and kind of be getting a paycheck from somewhere to do something that's just like what my painting practice might be for my, you know. Um, and so I do have hope and the desire that whatever form and as like kind of the initial, co- Question about Africa every art class like what is it and I responded that it like changes shape hopefully through the different abilities to change shape can garner enough resources where like something like that is possible um, as well as like that's like the logistical sculptural approach like there's also a way where the project does something really amazing if you're like wow that's worth a hundred thousand dollars I think um, and then I'm like great like I'll just pay off my debt you know like the dream I, if I can pay off my debt and I don't want to. I want to just get rid of it, or I want other people to pay for it, which I might turn into a project. But that's like, it's not gonna be in the next five years. But the next five years are in pursuit of that and like being able to eat during that. Um, but there's projects that have its own legs, like Gallery Blue and Tin Can Phone. At some point, may not need me. And the other day I was like exhausted, and we were recording our episode, and we like scripted it in where I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go do this thing," and I just like left. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, like I think those projects can run themselves, but they're also like not a painting, like a podcast with like three dudes, not me, like it's three other pundits who like have the embodied experience and can tell a very unique story. And through my kind of connection making, like that could generate, like there are podcasters, you know? And so if different kinds of those things happen where like, maybe I'm eating, Money that's not my art money, and like that art money can truly be rolled into projects, and I can truly sequester myself on like residencies or other things and further my practice. Because I mean, I may be in debt forever, but I do just want to be an artist, Um, which I was gonna mention earlier. It feels like before we disappear, I should explain that. And I know, at least in some universes, it's obnoxious to refer to another person or that I refer to myself as artist Michael Bernard Stevenson Jr. Uh, but the reason for that is I'm a junior and so my father, Michael Bernard Stevenson Sr., and as the younger artist somewhere in the arc of the story, I was never jazzed about Bernard, but as I came more into my own, I realized that I'm flattered that my father like decided to bestow his his name onto me. And so I like want to hold the entirety of it so I was doing Michael Bernard Stevenson Jr. before I donned artist. And then I realized that like artist is this estranged character. And it is a art historical conversation referencing the institution of the fool. That I was like, oh, I'm a fool, but the artist is that fool. It is this like metric or mirror for society. But like doctors get that title or military generals and like these certain stations of life get prioritized. And then you have a form of power by having that. And so I was like, as a fool, choosing this mantle, but also it allows me to move to the community in a certain way. Um, and I want to start even enhancely obnoxiously including master artists, Michael Bernard, Stevenson Jr. is on the cusp. I asked for it to be on my diploma. And they were like, you need to show us a passport. So I'm going <laughs> to call the dean. I am like, you don't let them tell me how to identify as myself Um, but it's just a part of the project. If they won't let me do it, I will alter my document um, because it is a conceptual project. And though it's, again, interesting because my father, so Michael is a Christian name, Bernard is a Germanic name, and Stevenson is a slave name. And so all the names that I was given are, like, referenced to a colonized situation. And so I own it and wear it and I'm aware of that. And I'm also aware of, like, in African culture, like the namesake and the, how it's carried, and like all of these things. And so I've kind of like tried to put those layers on myself, or like bring them into my practice, in my life. Um, so anyway, um, I'm gonna. I want to be an artist, though. Like, the goal is to be able to keep doing it, um, whatever way that is. Um, fingers crossed. Curators, keep your ears open. Uh, money ad venmo patreon um i also take lunch
2: um, <laughs> so. okay I, I know melanie said that was gonna be the last question but i have one more now that, that's okay. i love
0: it let's burn <laughs> it let's
2: burn it <laughs> um so i think like throughout this whole conversation I, I get like a sense that you have like this like faith or like trust in, like the universe or um the future the unknown whatever you would want to call it um and then that makes me wonder what um if you'd want to share what are your like three main placements
3: my three main what
2: placements for astrology
3: placements this is a sign thing
2: yeah yeah for astrology
3: okay so i'm and I, i like i'm like i'm like beginner astrology so i can like yeah, I should get my birth chart tattooed because I live in Portland now. So. Right. Uh, but I'm I'm Hella Libra energy. Like I was told this and I identify with the memes and I just I think that's the one for me. Um I'm definitely vacillating between two things. I definitely and it is that like that binary short out that like made me like freak out when I was an undergrad. I like and I wasn't changing the state of my thinking at all. Um and like I was like straight edge more or less. Like I, I didn't identify with the culture. Um, but I for all intents and purposes like did not consume extracurricular substances. Um and then like during that shutdown, I was like, I need to read and something needs to change. And I essentially was being I was being so logical that it was illogical. Um and so later as I was kind of like moved to Portland and learned that we are all children of the stars, um, that like <laughs> I am constantly vacillating between some form of binary like choice um i I guess i'm also simplifying it for explanation but like swirling around decision making like decision making is like whenever i'm collaborating with people i'm like what do you want sick it's that one um like if i don't have to answer another question or, like, debate about the choice. It's like, I will make a choice if I'm at the store and I have to pick my own snack. But I have to, like, weigh your choices while I'm picking a snack. I'm like, no, you just tell me the snack. I'll get your snack. Or I'll get my snack. Like, I don't want to. We don't need to collaborate over snacks. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> high, high Libra on that one. Um, I think there is.
2: You I said think, your birthday is the 31st. Is that the 31st of October or of November?
3: October 3rd.
2: Oh, October 3rd, okay.
3: October 3rd, and so, and I was born in the morning, and I know, like, the right minute is the thing, and I've done it before, and then I lost the tome, Um, but I think Aries, I think I got some Aries in there, which I can see, Um, and that's, that's, I, like, peter out, but someone did a reading, someone did a reading for me, and they were, like, saying all this stuff, and I was, like, yeah, they were, like, you... You have you have a challenge with identity, and they like didn't know me at all, and I was like, okay, that that chart, something on that chart. The man,
2: stars are hard. real. <laughs> the stars
3: are real, and I think in like a pseudo a scientific way, it's like, you know, the the Earth revolves around the sun, the moon controls the tides. It's like people like we evolved on this planet, and there's astro sources of energy that we don't know anything about, and we could see the star and so the light is coming from thousands of places away at a certain interval that has been the same for millions of years. And they're like, yeah, we don't have anything to do with the stars. I think that is like a stupid neoliberal, like ignorant and like, you know, different forms of uh, medicine and cultural ritual that are all based on reoccurrences of these things. Like I think astrology and other forms that people kind of, enjoying now are the handings down of many, many matrilineal and observations um that have been distilled into like ways that be consumed now. Like whenever I see like a witch doctor on TV or something, it's like I think it's tied to a certain way. You know, it's like they walk into a store shop and it's someone of some culture and they're like throwing bones on the table or whatever. But they are like reading the person and the way they're reading and thinking and talking and what they see in the material and how they can convey an allegory about what they're seeing and what they've heard and what they know. Um, so I think all of those things are real in the ways that we choose for them to be, at least, if not biologically beyond our own comprehension.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: um.
1: So yeah, I guess now we'll launch into our segments. <laughs> um, I warned you. Cut off and... <laughs> um, So now it's time for Sealy's glass of water. a special shout out for the folks who are doing the most with not even the least. all Mr talking trash, trash about sure. Okay, folks don't number like number nobody up. being too proud or too free.
2: You know more than ju- joint
1: <laughs> Today's glass is a general all-encompassing one. I will name no names, celebrities, thought leaders, artists, influencers, whoever, y'all know who you are. Some of you are currently getting dragged on Megan The Stallion's internet as we speak. This one goes out for all the folks who target the black voting bloc in their little vote or die campaigns. Stop it. Stop it now. The black vote has never been the problem. I know this for a fact. And you know how I know? Because I'm from the South, where black people stand in line for hours hours upon hours, to cast a vote only to have them stolen in broad fucking daylight. You know how I know we're not the problem? One, because I read the exit polls and it's quite clear how the vote skews, and two, black folks aren't the ones getting the features in the New York Times looking all pensive out of a window talking about how sorry they are for who they voted for. One guess, who gets those features? So again, I'm going to ask, stop it. It's rude and condescending as all hell. No one is more aware of how important the vote is than black folks. They've been trying to fractionalize and remove our vote since the beginning of democracy. Of course we fucking know. If voting were all it took, our problems would be solved by now. So stop reprimanding us about voting as if it's magic beans. If you're going to implore a collective to vote, you better also be addressing voter suppression, contingency plans, or how those who do not have the privilege to vote can can contribute. Otherwise, you're just spewing empty rhetoric and anti-blackness, which, to be fair, is as American as apple pie. But stop.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm thinking when I hear it on the podcast, but like no one's around. That's what I'm like. You tell them. You tell them. I love it, and I agree.
1: Uh, Max, do you have your
0: segment? Just the Facts with Max. I'm stating facts, 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 facts,
2: facts. Hello, and today on Just the Facts with Max. Budapest used to be two different cities. Buddha and Pest. They were joined in
1: 1873. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. facts. Um, we will have our parting words first up. Max.
2: Yeah, Um, go vote. I'm just kidding.
1: kidding. You tell him. (laughs)
0: Um.
2: No. Yeah. Um. Parting words. Thank you, Michael. This was a great conversation. Thank you, Melanie. Um. What is it? Uh. Careful, October. Happy November, everybody. Net Turner Project. All
1: right. Um. For my parting words, I would also like to thank Michael for stopping by to chat with us. Um. I have seen your work in passing um, a lot over the past uh, few years. So it's nice to actually hear you speak about it. Yeah. Um, I really look forward to seeing what you do. Um, and I think that your projects are really impactful. So. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah. And you can have sure. the parting word.
3: Yeah, no, and I think I also um, thank you both for thanking me, but I'm, I'm flattered. So yeah, I appreciate that. And, um, it's certainly fun to be on it. It will be fun to listen back to it or maybe cringe or something, but, um, you know, I unfortunately I'll be on my own headphones all by myself. Um, but I did, I want to echo your, uh, your segment and say like everyone vote Teresa Rayford. Um, every time I talk to people, it's white people like, I don't know, like you don't want Ted. I don't really like Sarah. And I, I like have, I've gone deep on it, um, and maybe in the edit I can send you a clip. I even got Larry Yes to sing a song. I write intoreso song, I'm going hard, I'm making all these pamphlets. i gonna do a training, um, but that won't be timely for the listeners. Um, but I realized in all of these thoughts is that like in Portland, it is a white vote. Like in the DC metro area, it's all kinds of other stuff. All kinds of some there's a lot of black politicians. And in Portland, white people are gonna decide. Um, and I was at a dinner of only black folks and they were you know, sharing their feelings, but they were like, white people aren't gonna come out to vote, which is another invisibilization. Um, but in Portland, it does not matter sort of in a way, just because there are so many white people, white people are making this choice. And so white people, if you're listening later in the future, even though it's too late, you should have <laughs> voted for Teresa and, uh, You'll be that person in the window with your hand in your <laughs> your brows ruining it. If you hear this and it didn't happen, but I really appreciate being able to be on, and I'm excited to continue to be in the art ecosystem with y'all. And um, yeah, hopefully there's more of us being in the same place at the same time, uh, whether it be digital or otherwise in the future.
1: Thanks.
2: Yeah, thank you. All
1: right. Good night, y'all.
2: Good night, y'all.